And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. And today we're discussing the Women's March that happened on Saturday. And we're joined by Caroline Stewart, who participated in San Diego's Women's March. So I wanted to start off by just asking you, um, Caroline, what was your experience like? And, and well, actually starting off with why you decided to march on Saturday and why it was important for you to get involved. Well, um, first of all, it's important to say that um, I marched both as an individual and I also marched as president of a um, nonprofit. And um, so first I marched as Caroline and I marched with my husband. And we're a couple who have spent over 50 years advocating for uh, humanitarian justice for people. Uh, And um, so it felt like totally the right thing to do. I'm the president of an organization called A New Path, Parents for Addiction Treatment and Healing, and we have a um, a long-term campaign, we're now almost five years, called Moms United to End the War on Drugs, and we felt that the current uh, administration is a horrific threat to our almost 18-year endeavor to promote um, a kinder approach, a less stigmatizing approach to people with addictive illness. So we marched for our friends of color. We marched for me as a woman who's feeling devalued. We marched for our son who has addictive illness. We marched for um, our LGBT trend- friends in our community. We live in an um, LGBT community and a lot of our neighbors marched. Um, it was an honor to stand beside and march with people that share our longstanding values um, of humanitarian approaches to um, problem solving. How was the march in um, San Diego? Because we marched in Los Angeles and it was quite massive. And I feel like the overwhelming spirit of it was very positive and warm. Yeah, um, so... Initially, I tried to get my girlfriend to go to D.C., and then we, little by little, we wound up um, moving back to San Diego. We were then going to go to San Francisco uh, and then to L.A., and then we decided that it felt uh, authentic to be ourselves and to stay in our home community and to march with our compadres, our fellow San Diegans. How did it feel? It felt inspirational. Um, It felt... Um, as if I, I felt a sense of com- community and communitas. Communitas means a state of shared suffering. I sensed suffering from all of us. It wasn't, it, it was not, um, a march of levity. It, it was a march, a march of, um, I think celebration of people, um, people of color, women, uh, gays. But I also think it was a solemn march. It wasn't a, a, a march um, like a, a parade that would be for some kind of a happy event. It wasn't happy. I would say we, we marched fully understanding that we're facing a very uh, worrisome foe and that um, we need to stand together and to be proactive together. And this was one of our first efforts, at least in San Diego. 
I like that you um, started off talking about that you march for yourself as a woman, but also for people of color, for people in the LGBT community, um, and just speaking about everyone who's feeling concern about the new administration and, and human rights for all. And I think it's so important to um, talk about why why it's important to to speak on intersectionality in in our in our activism and and because I think that you you know intentionally made it a point to do that. So um, you should know that this past year I was so fortunate to go to the United Nations with a new path and the Moms United. We actually stood on the steps of the UN. It's um, totally illegal to protest on the steps of the UN, which we did and. It was humorous. We were warned that the police were coming and that we had five minutes to get across the street so we wouldn't go to jail. But essentially, one of the most amazing experiences of that UN meeting was that we were uh, bused to the Abyssinian African-American Church in Harlem to hear Reverend William Barber speak. And then this past uh, Martin Luther King Monday, we, my husband and I and some of the other people that marched with us were able to hear him speak in person here in San Diego. And so I would say that Reverend Barber inspired us also to march because Reverend Barber says it is our ethical duty to stand up, to stand up and to make a point not to yield, to, to bow down, but to stand up with confidence. I often think um, of the Quakers who stand witness and the beauty of that. We can't, not everyone can make specific change. I mean, I'm unique and I, I'm belong to a nonprofit and we, you know, we know a few people in Washington and we can, we can bump around a little bit trying to get some change done. Most people don't have that authority, but all of us and the march was kind of a moving form of standing up. We can all stand up and say no. This is wrong. We we want a more ethical, humane, compassionate, forgiving, clinically informed society, and to stop uh, the racism and the misogyny and the homophobia. Yeah, it's it's interesting now being a few days away from the march because directly after the march, I felt there was. Uh, I I felt like there was an understanding that there was a lot more to do, but it seemed like a lot of people felt very accomplished in, in that moment of having the, the largest protest in history. When you combine all the cities that were marching 2.9 million people were estimated, but now a couple days after it's, I'm in this weird place because of seeing some of the things that Donald Trump has done. Um, the first day, this was, then right before the the protest, he signed the the ban on federal money going to international groups that perform or provide information on abortions. Um, and that's not just money already does not go towards abortions. You federal funds cannot go towards abortions. This is saying that any nonprofit or any group that even has anything to do with abortions will not get any money for anything. Um, and then the other thing he did today was um, signed a memorandum um, ordering the secretary of the army to expedite approval of the Dakota access pipeline. 
So it it almost seems like and the Keystone Pipeline and the Keystone and the Keystone right right and he as well in multiple interviews he's commented on when people attack him or he feels attacked he likes to go after those people and it kind of feels like that's what's happening it seems like it's it's interesting timing that some of the first things he would do would be going after the movements that have the strongest support and i have um the strongest support against him um and uh, it's it just is a it's a scary place to be in to know that protest is going to not be accepted or not accepted is the wrong word but not even i mean he he didn't even come out and acknowledge the the protest or that it is american to protest or the importance of protest he basically just kind of disregarded the the protest and i think that's well, that's a scary after. place yeah he did he did after cuz he does this pattern where he has like two different tweets right. that he will will put out and so his initial reaction um which i think usually seems like the most authentic to him um you know he was critical and then the next one was oh but people you know have a right to protest and it's american to protest and it was a very you know um diplomatic kind of response but you know i think you're right i think that there is a big concern that what we're actually seeing him doing is directly going after um some of some of the strongest movements right now there the day before on friday the actual day of the inauguration there were more violent protests i mean breaking of windows and cars and stuff and those folks there are 250 of those people are facing 10 years for felony it's called felony pro, protest felonies so that was very scary to me um, of course, I'm an advocate, a peace advocate, so I wouldn't throw a brick at anyone or harm anyone. However, um, I, I appreciate how frustrating people can get become and to actually throw someone in prison for 10 years for throwing a stone through a window uh, is abhorrent to me. So I'm really, I'm, I'm anxious about the direction we're going. I, the, I'm very fearful that they might actually create legislation that says it's illegal to protest i i don't want to sound paranoid but that does worry me and then i i have to think though of our forefathers the quakers and the people that helped the underground railroad there were people there have always been good people who as reverend barber said stood up they still stood up they risked the incarceration they risked and each of us will have to ask ourselves, are we able to stand up? It's, that is a, that is a very painful question. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm an anxious woman, but I, maybe I can stand up. I might, I think maybe I could. Um, I don't, you don't know this about me, but I was in Sproul Plaza in, um, 1968. That's UC Berkeley when, um, the uh, Oakland police came through wearing Darth Vader kind of costumes. It was bizarre, and they blocked all the entrances and exits to the plaza, and then they brought a helicopter in that sprayed us with CN gas, and everybody would, went fell down and writhed, and then they brought in the police, and they beat 
many of the people that had fallen down vomiting from the gas that was sprayed. This has happened before. We, this is, this is, there is potential for um, totalitarian behavior towards the citizens in the United States. Yeah. And so, and I think of um, the Ohio, the young students killed in Ohio. We lived it in Berkeley. We were, there were times when we were not allowed to go on a street corner because there were tanks preventing us during People's Park. It was a painful era. Um, I pray we're not going in that direction. I have a 25-year-old son. I want the best for him. He has an African-American partner that we're delighted he's going to marry. We want love and peace and humanitarian. Um, we, we, this is an outrage, but I want to warn you, I'm almost 70 years old. Be careful. It's, there are some very uh, worrisome trends that I see. And when I was at Berkeley, was I 19 years old? I, I didn't see it. I didn't know this, what was going to happen. It was very painful. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I wrote a post on Facebook about that today. When you look at the history and you look at what Trump is doing and going after so close to these protests, the direct causes of these things, it's when you look at the violence, of course, a lot of people talk about looters and people who take just advantage situation. Yes, there's always a little bit of that. But the vast majority of protests when they become riots and become violent are because one, people were either antagonized by the police or some other external force. And it's very much what Trump is doing. I mean, it's I'm a peace advocate as well. I don't want it to come to that. But when peaceful protest doesn't work and people get more angry and more angry, the next step is that violent step that people are going to take, whether you like it or not, or you agree with it or not. It's just what's going to happen. Right. And I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I also think that we're, we've already last year seen, you know, militarized police attacking peaceful protesters in North Dakota, you know, with, with the water cannons, with the fires and, 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 you know, had there not been, and I mean, they were trying to control um, the media and what was showed and, and blocking live streams and things. So people's phones didn't work. And yet what we saw and, and, and the, 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 um, the, the footage that came out was very, very, very clear that these were peaceful protesters that were praying and they were, they were being attacked. And, and, you know, so you've lived it in the past and, and we're living it now and we're seeing it happening again. And it's, it's, you know, it's a scary thing. And I think I also, one of the more troubling things to me today um, is seeing how much work they're trying to do to control the media and control the truth and control what actually gets out. You know, I mean, even just, you know, this to some people may seem like a small thing, but the national parks, um, you know, they're, they, they've signed, um, Trump signed something basically saying that they can't um, speak out about facts. And someone at the National Parks and Badlands actually tweeted out very specific, um, very clear facts on climate change and that this is happening. And, you know, immediately that was wiped away. And it, it's scary that that our truth is being is being controlled and That's being changed. And, and I, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where, where we go with this. Yes, I mean, this is day example, four, you know. The Center for Disease Control today, this morning, 
canceled a uh, climate change in um, weekend, a, a big event with thousands of people come to look at the impact of climate change on American health, the Center for Disease Control, and they canceled this um, oh event gosh. that had been planned for months and months. They decided not to. Uh, so that is the, that is very frightening. Also, there also uh, many of the agencies are being told that they will be people will be fired if they share any information. And so there 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 is a a tenor of intimidation, a, a cloud of intimidation that is all about us, and that is heartbreaking to me. The good news is, I think uh, CNN stood up. I think talk about Reverend Barber again, but I think some of the the uh, news people are standing up. They know this will be disastrous if they yield. So I, I'm praying and hoping that good people will stand up, including the media. Yeah, and I think the media, it, I mean, even there was a video that went around Facebook of, um, who was it? I don't remember, one of the newscasters on Fox News even defending CNN at some point. And when you get Fox News to defend CNN, you know that it's, that, that's a, that's a big moment. And I think too, just going back to, to the march and its uh, effectiveness, the thing I will say is we don't know how it'll, effective it'll be in changing Trump's mind or bringing him to the table to actually engage with these movements, but Specifically in California, what I've seen it did is when 750,000 people show up, um, it tells our senators and our congressmen that they better do everything they can to challenge him. And many of them have come out since then saying that that's exactly what they're going to do, that it was a clear mandate to them to do that. So the more the more states that can do that, the, the better position we're in to then be heard as well by by. Trump's administration. I I had a thought that I didn't share with you about the march, and that is that in, in San Diego there were very few African American people marching with us, and it was a lot of. Um, first of all, a lot. Of, my son and his partner had to work. A lot of people who work retail, whatever, they don't, they can't just take a day off and march. A lot of good people weren't able to join this march because they were trying to pay an exorbitant rent that is sky sky high. There were a lot of really good people. So um, I know some people have characterized the march as a bunch of middle-aged or older women um, and that it's all about that. And I think, I don't know how to um, promote, I don't know what it would take to get a truly more um, integrated crowd because there were a, a lot of the young people were not there. They had to, a lot of, a lot of people that work on Saturdays, they were not there. So I think that's an issue. We need to get more people out, more people of color. Um, I don't know if any of you noticed that, at least in San Diego, I, we did not have very many people of color marching. There were, of course, a few, but not many. Yeah, I think in, in Los Angeles, I think it was very diverse. I yeah. would say probably about 45% were men. Um, I think there were... Every, every race, every nationality was represented in, in very large numbers. But I also think that's because of the scope of the amount of people who are participating as well. I mean, that's 
750,000 people is just <laughs> massive. Yeah, <laughs> in downtown LA, I think just the accessibility and the, the, the makeup in the area as well. Um, but I, I do think that we do need to work to get everybody to the table, but I think that yeah, it's yeah. important to support all the issues when things come up, you know, and I think that's, that's the important piece is kind of to have that, um, intersectional mind frame that it's not just when it's my uterus that's attacked, but also if a, you know, if something goes on and Black Lives Matter is having a march or like right now, you mm-hmm. know, Dakota Access Pipeline, we need to all, you know, be finding ways to um, connect and support with them. I saw tonight just a few minutes ago on Twitter that there is a big protest outside of the White House um, protesting. the pipeline. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. Great. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, so yeah. I think we yeah. need to yeah. and I think, you know, and, and everybody needs to come out and support those things. It's not just I think, you know. Trump is really good at, 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 at picking up on our, our fears and really stoking those and kind of um, working on our, our anxiety around scarcity. And I think we have to be mindful of that and not let that um, cause us to become, you know, where we're on, where we're not supporting each other. And so I think we have to recognize that we've got to, you know, we're in this together and, and really fight for human rights for everybody. So I think that that's important. And I also think that we did have more of an opportunity for that, at least in LA, um, you know, being there and being in that diverse group. Um, one of my, one of my friends that I was with had a sign that said, stay woke on it. And some people don't know what that means. And a woman came up and asked us, um, middle-aged white woman in, in one of the pink hats. And she was, you know, really polite and just said, you know, I really don't understand. And can you explain it to me? And so I feel like those are when there's opportunities, you know, I don't know what she'll do with that information or if she'll, you know, <laughs> further try to, you know, find out more about, about the Black Lives Matter movement. But I think just being in a space together and having opportunities where we're all open and willing to work together, we, that there, it can only be positive in my eyes. And so, though I feel like some people were critical of the march and were like, you know, I don't want to participate because that march isn't for me, which I, I do understand, but I am someone who, you know, really truly believes in trying to find a way where we can connect with each other and, and be in the same space to do that. So, and it, so the, um, we marched in the the hundred thousand people that was in San Francisco against the war in Vietnam, and I think you both know that the war that did influence those those big marches in the '60s did eventually impact the decision to stop that war. So we mustn't ever think that this doesn't have any impact. It's powerful, and um, the thing that binds people is not joy but suffering. It's that's the glue of all of us. In other words, um, if I come home and tell my husband I had a great lunch with friends, I don't bond with him as much as I come home and say that a patient died and I'm I'm grieving that that and he shares something in kind. So shared suffering is what happens at these events, because we all feel vulnerable and know that. I think that's a I think it it's a powerful message that occurred with these over you know how many millions did they how many did they know the numbers they were a lot of people all over the world who marched yeah and i I think too i what one of the things i loved about it was 
and I've seen mixed reactions online about how people feel about this, but was the amount of families that were there and how the march really was the something for for everyone. Like, yeah, there were people there that were really trying to change things and do something political, but there were also just families there that were going to tell that wanted their little girls to experience the support and to know that they're special. And I have friends who are have mixed race kids and that just to, sh to show them that th they're powerful and that there's people who are always going to be there to support them. And it's not as scary as the news makes it sound or social media makes it look and all those, those things for them. And I thought, I thought that was great. And on your point about the, the cow, I guess not being for everybody or people feeling like this March wasn't for them. Something interesting that happened in LA, and I've been looking to see if this happened in other places, was there was actually a, I don't want to call it a counter protest, but an alternative protest, I'll say, which was, um, I think they called it, um, women's march or women's march for, for black women, some women of color. I can't remember what it was, but it, it was a lot of, um, a lot of people, I think, feared that it was a pro-Hillary Clinton type march because um, I think a lot of the, the organizers um, were very active within the Hillary campaign or whatever it was, which is interesting now because then you also had a lot of people thinking it was an anti-Hillary march because they didn't include her as one of the right. significant I mean, women and the yeah. thing. So it was interesting there. But there was kind of this alternate group that were marching in a separate place. Um with, I guess, a, a slightly different political agenda, but marching for the same thing. So that, that I just found that interesting. I don't know how I feel about it quite yet, but <laughs> it's well, good to have people out there. But One thing that happened at San Diego is that um, I think when they coalesced us to get started, people felt they needed... I don't think they wanted to stop and hear a lot of messages. They wanted to march. They wanted to get right. going. So that was something that we could tell there was a sense of energy that wasn't really the best to hold these people in containment. They needed to be uh, relieved of that and to be able to march. Once we started marching, it was um, a really great. But I think um, I heard some complaints that the speeches were reiterating what a lot of people felt and they wanted to get going. They didn't want to listen to a lot of speeches. So that was one one complaint. Um in general, that there were families, children. I, I didn't mean to say that were all um, middle-aged women. Absolutely not. Oh, right, my right. husband and many, my brother-in-law, a lot of men. I would say you're right. It was probably 45 percent. It was not a women's march at all. It was for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I really loved that. I just was thinking, lots of folks who had to pay their rent couldn't come, and there, and that you know that was a point we don't think about all the time. Is that not everybody who wasn't there? wasn't not supporting us they were supporting us but they had to to work yeah i think that is an important point to make definitely and i think you know recognizing and feeling grateful that i could be there on a saturday and that i didn't have to work and was you know able to yes. get there yeah yeah right. and i think that's also a good part of just a positive of social media is people could to an extent who couldn't be there could still participate and show mm -hmm. their support um, to the people who were going or to, to their families or whoever they wanted to know that they supported this or shared the articles or the images or the videos or whatever it is. So a positive for social media. 
Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Awesome. Well, is there anything anyone would like to add? Any last thoughts? Well, I, I don't know about you guys, but I heard that there's a big, another big march on April 15th. Axe Day. Yeah, yes. yes. About so that. I think there's going to be, I think it's just in the early stages, but I think there mm-hmm. is going to be another, a series of marches, um, probably all over the, well, I don't know about taxes, people marching in Europe about our taxes, but we're going to have a marching okay. again. Yeah. Um, and I know that my nonprofit, A New Path, is dedicated to um, standing up and continuing our effort uh, to advocate for the many people that suffer from addictive illness. So that's we, we won't stop. So we will go to the marches, and we will keep tra- educating the community in any way we can. Yep. And people are definitely organizing because I've been invited to at least five marches that are now being organized on different <laughs> days for you know anything from universal health care to LGBT rights to the tax day. So I think we're going to start seeing a, a lot more. And I'm sure the No Dakota Access Pipeline is going to oh, explode again. Oh so that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And- and I also think I like the way um, the Women's March put out, you know, an email right after the march and said, you know, thank you for participating. This is step one. This is just yeah, the beginning yeah, and, this, and, and, and gave guidance for how to move forward and other things to do to start to work on these things and how to contact your senators. And, and they're um, giving out postcards to send and things like that. So I, I like that. You know, because, again, I think people can kind of criticize, um, you know, criticize the action. Oh, marches don't do anything. But. A, they do, and also continuing to do the work is important as well. And so I like that we're not just, you know, I I feel like people are, I don't feel like I'm seeing people just feeling like they marched and they're settled down now and it's fine. Oh, they're done. No, they're not. Going back to sleep at the wheel. I feel like everybody is, is, is feeling mobilized. And I mean, I think a part of that is because I think every day there's going to be stuff that we need to pay attention to. Every day. Right. Right. So, Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a being here. It was so. Yes. It's always a pleasure, you guys. It's great. Oh, good. Okay. Well, have a wonderful night, and thank for everyone you. who's out there, join us on social media at Civil D TV. And I'm also going to be releasing a series of interviews that we did last year on the Dakota Access Pipeline and the movement that's happening there as podcasts. So those will be up with this as well. Thank you. Have a wonderful night. Thank you. Good night, guys. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.